All right, Alexander, let's talk about uh, Credit Suisse and uh, the latest bank to be experiencing problems, and it had to get bailed out. We won't call it a bailout, but it had to get bailed out by the uh, central bank in Switzerland. And uh, this is a big one because Signature Bank had about $110 billion in, uh, in assets, uh, SVB had about a hundred and and uh, an eighty billion, I believe, or two hundred yeah, billion. Like that. I think it was yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Credit Suisse is five hundred and eighty six hundred billion, and I believe this is the first European bank that's uh, come up on the radar. Um, what's going on here? Well, that's a very good question, and you're absolutely correct. I mean, the other thing to say about Credit Suisse is, of course, it's an old bank. I mean, it's been around for <laughs> ever since I can remember. I mean, it's a well-established, well-known bank. People in the banking world have heard of it. Even many, many people outside the banking world have heard of it. Whereas, you know, SVB and Signature Bank, well, I'm not saying that they're not important banks, and I'm not saying people haven't heard of them, but, you know, they're not household names in the way that Credit Suisse is. So if Credit Suisse is in trouble, then, of course, that is something that people will notice. And, of course, it's now asked for and will probably receive $54 billion in help from the Swiss Central Bank. Now, that is a very large amount of money by any measure. It suggests that there are serious problems within Credit Suisse. There's been rumours that there have been, but this really does look like more than just a bailout. It looks like a, an attempt to rescue what is in effect a failing bank. And the risk you always run when you do that, when you start putting forward you know, help in this way, and of course Credit Suisse says that they have collateral for all this, for all this money, but we don't know what that collateral is what security they can provide in return for all these loans that they're seeking from the Swiss central bank. But the problem they have is that, of course, when people see a bank in trouble and they see the central bank moving to support it and they see sums like this being injected into that bank, uh, unless it immediately restores confidence, unless this certainty that this is going to be enough, um, then, of course, people will say this bank is in very serious trouble and it will actually accelerate, intensify its problems. And the other, the other risk, of course, is that the bigger the bailout becomes, the more it becomes it starts to look like it isn't just that the bank is being bailed out. It's in effect being nationalised. It's been taken over by the Swiss central bank entirely, at which point that might start to trigger doubts about the stability of the entire Swiss banking system. And not just the Swiss banking system, because once upon a time, within my lifetime, Swiss banks operated very much in their own ecosystem, their own universe. Today, they're very, very much part of the European banking system altogether, certainly Credit Suisse's, and people are worried, will start to become worried 
that the entire European banking system is potentially in trouble. And we've already seen that Christine Lagarde is going around saying, you know, all is well, no cause for concern. There are, however, some problems and we mustn't be complacent. And, of course, what some people may say is they'll look at that, they'll hear that, and they'll start worrying that there are many, many more problems in the European banking system, the European financial system, than people, than the authorities are admitting to. I am going to say straight away, I don't have any information other than what we see in open sources. But... We have been following the situation in Europe now for years. And I think we can say with confidence, based on what we have always known, there are serious problems in the European financial system. If a bank like Credit Suisse fails or has to be nationalised to prevent it failing, then the risks of something going seriously wrong are going to grow and we could very well find ourselves in a full financial crisis. Yeah, uh, too big to fail. Credit Suisse is, it come, comes to yeah. mind when you think of that. Yeah, exactly. Too big to exactly. fail. I mean, it's such a, such a yeah. big bank for, for Europe especially, but all over yes. the world actually. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. It's everywhere. Exactly. Um, the, the Saudis were actually called in to, to help bail out Credit Suisse. They balked. They said, not our, uh, not our problem, even though they have something like, I don't know, I've read like 8% of, uh, of Credit Suisse. I'm not sure the exact number. But uh, the Saudis, you know, they, they said we're not going to, uh, to bail yes. it out. And yes. it was left to the... Uh, to the government, to the to the central bank, to, to bail yes. it out. I, I, I was thinking this morning, how, how much time did uh, did the central bank actually buy Credit Suisse? Well, One month, that's a, two months, three months, um, and how much time did it buy for all of Europe, all of the EU banks? Because yes. things aren't going to get easier for for Europe. Things are going to get much much harder from an economic uh, standpoint. That's that's the way Europe has set itself up to 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 move in the next uh, couple of years. They, they've done this to themselves. Absolutely. And, of course, the other thing to say is, of course, if there's a financial cr uh, a crisis in Europe, it will spread. It will spread to many more places. It's difficult to see, despite what people are saying, how it can avoid spreading eventually to the United States as well. But can I just say, first of all, why didn't the Saudis, Saudis act? After all, they are the biggest single shareholder. And one can only assume that they've opened the lid and looked inside and haven't liked what they've seen. And that's, that seems to me the only explanation for why they wouldn't act to protect what is, after all, a big investment by them. Um, I mean, one would prefer always, in a situation where a business is in trouble, one would look to the shareholders first, if you like, to sort of provide any extra money. If the, your biggest shareholder is not prepared to do that, that is not a sign of confidence. That is a sign of a total lack of confidence. It suggests that the shareholder doesn't think that there's very much going right with this particular business. So, you know, just, just saying. So, I mean, the fact that the Saudis refuse to provide funding is a big thing.
Maybe. All kinds of reasons for it, but it is a big thing. But you're absolutely right. The problems of the European banking system are huge. Um, I've heard all kinds of very disturbing stories about the state of many of the Italian banks. I've heard many disturbing stories about the state of many of the German banks, including some of the smaller German banks, the Volksbank uh, and all of those. I mean, you know, I can't again confirm that that is the case, and I don't want to say any particular bank is in trouble. I don't want to be put in that position of suggesting those things. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, there are these problems. They are systematic. Uh, systemic. And why are they so bad? It is because ever since the 2008 financial crisis, the Europeans have simply kicked the can down the road. They've never really acted to solve their underlying problems. They've always carried out paste, you know, pasting up the problems, applying sellotape to them. Um, the Germans have never been happy with the Eurobonds idea, Euro bond idea, probably just for them that they didn't go down that route, because had they done so, it would have been a huge problem for them actually now, because all the problems would have transmitted themselves back to Germany. I can imagine that over the next few weeks and months, if the crisis deepens, we will see the Eurobond idea resurrect itself, there will be enormous pressures on the Germans at that point to do that. But, of course, as I said, I think there are problems within the German banking system as well. And given that the financial situation in Germany is not strong, given that the economy is probably in recession, I have to say that the idea that the German people are going to rush to embrace euro bonds and are going to rush to support banks in Italy and France and wherever else, I, I think that's, frankly, going to be an extremely hard sell indeed, and quite possibly an impossible one. And besides, I don't think it ultimately solves the problem. I look at the leadership in, uh, in the EU, and uh, I don't think any of them solve this problem no i agree I mean, I mean this this is this is going to get yeah the lagarde ursula michelle who, who who's going to solve this this, this problem well you know and macron and, and i don't even know how, how much further they can kick the can down the road either well i i, I mean i well, think exactly. they kicked it as far as it can go well exactly i mean you know and you know if you look at the others i mean macron he's got a major problem with the pension reform that he's trying to enact um, it's far from clear that it's going to pass the French Parliament. Um, if it doesn't pass the French Parliament, I mean, he's a lame duck leader and he's deeply unpopular. And, of course, Scholz runs a fractious, fragmented coalition. There was an article in the Financial Times just a few days ago saying that relations within the coalition have become poisonous, that the Free Democrats who run the finance ministry have come to loathe the Greens and that the two parties are almost in constant battles now. Not, by the way, over sanctions, but other things. Um, and, of course, the SPD, which is supposed to be the leading party in the coalition, is also in serious difficulties. So, you know, it, a weak government in Germany, led by an unconvincing and weak chancellor, a president in France who, frankly, 
has lost control of his own agenda, a um, commission that is read by deeply inadequate people. I mean, very polite to Ursula here. I'm sure you could come up with much stronger words. You certainly could, Alex, come up with much stronger words to describe her. And a governor of the European Central Bank who has failed at everything she has undertaken. I mean, she's everything she's touched has turned to dust, which is probably why she became governor of the European Central Bank in the first place. So, I mean, the whole thing looks like an absolute mess and the problems are enormous. And, you know, this could very well be the precipitating event that brings the whole thing tumbling down. It might be. And, yeah, and uh, I have to add, you also have a leadership in Europe across the board, which seems very disinterested in solving yes. financial uh, problems. No. And they're absolutely interested in pouring more money into Ukraine. Well, indeed, exactly. That is entirely true. That is their major focus. That's their obsession. That's the matter that they're talking about all the time. You know, the, apparently business leaders come along and they meet with people like Ursula and all they hear about is Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And you're absolutely correct about this. And of course, Ukraine is something they think they can sort of understand because they're ideologues, they're not technicians. They don't really understand much about all the things we're talking about. And of course, they're now confronted with a problem. They don't really understand. Don't, it's far outside their sort of personal comfort zones. And of course, the, the system, the EU system now, has become so complicated and so unwieldy that hammering together a compromise, especially with our Angela Merkel, you know, who's always the keystone to the arch, if you like, but she's no longer there. It's going to be incredibly difficult. And there's no one obvious to take her place. And given the problems that we're now starting to see grow, one wonders whether even Angela Merkel could have really, you know, overcome the kind of problems that we might be seeing. I mean, to my mind, if Credit Suisse fails, we are in a, we are probably in a financial crisis. I mean, they have to stop it at Credit Suisse. If Credit Suisse fails and then other banks start to become affected, then, I mean, I think that we will see a loss of confidence and in banking, confidence is, is all. If, it, if that goes, then, as I said, we will see a major financial crisis across the union. Yeah, but for, for Credit Suisse, they have to prevent the bank run now. They have, yeah. to, they have to instill yeah. confidence in, 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 in the customer base, in the depositors. Yes. And they have to prevent yes. the bank run. Yes. Yes. That's where they are they, right now. That's exactly where they are, exactly. So, of course, that's what I mean. So, you know, if you bid, put out $54 billion, what you're telling the depositors is that this bank is out of money. 50, I mean, it's, it's almost 10, 10% of its value. It, it, so that, far from reassuring people, might alarm them even more. 
And then, of course, you could do what Yellen and, and Powell have just done in the United States and say, well, you know, deposits are 100% insured. We are prepared to cover them entirely. So you don't need to take your money out because if, you, if the bank collapses, then, you know, we'll, 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 pay all the, we'll pay all your money. But at that point, you have, in effect, nationalised the bank. I mean, that's that's the thing to understand. And if you're nationalising one bank, are you standing by every other? At which point, yes. if you are, and that, well, you are, and if you are, and if there are problems, then, of course, th th there are problems in the financial system which are greater than one bank that might be systemic then those systemic problems are yours, the government's problems, and that might start to have effects on other parts of the financial system, such as the sovereign bond market and all of that. So you can see how it can move from one point in the financial system to another uh, and it very, very easily get out of control. Yeah, when it gets out of control, it moves very fast. Very fast. That's the other thing, I mean, exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, with, I mean, that's the other thing. I, you, you can very, very easily find yourself running to after a, a runaway train and never being able to catch up on it. Or yeah, basically, or perhaps a better, a better metaphor, trying to run, in, run ahead of a tidal wave. <laughs> because, which, believe me, can't be done. Yeah, and if this spreads to Europe, and and the EU decides to do what Yellen, and uh, and Powell and Biden and all these guys did, which is to to just basically guarantee that every depositor is okay. I mean, can you imagine this on an EU level? Well, exactly. That's the point. And who would who would provide that guarantee? The European Central Bank. Lagarde. Lagarde? I know, but, you know, who, who stands behind the European Central Bank? Ultimately, European governments, but there's only one that matters, Germany in the end. So it would all feed back to Germany. Germany would, at that point, be in a position where it was backstopping everybody. I mean, literally everybody, everybody who has a bank account if you think about it, across the Union. Can Germany do that? And it wouldn't stop the, the Italians, the Greeks, the Portuguese, the Spanish, the French. It wouldn't stop people from saying, you know what, I don't care if you're guaranteeing the money. I'm, no. I'm pulling my money out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because and, that's and, a funny and there thing. you're left with, with, with the nuclear option, which is to me, which is, okay, you have the nationalization, you have your backstop of the deposits, but the only option that's left to you is uh, is, is capital controls. That's it. Yes. yes. To prevent the bank. I mean, if it gets to that level, that yes. is your only option. Yes. Which, of course, at that point, collapsed the system. I mean, you know, they imposed capital controls on Greece, as you remember, during the aftermath of the 2008 crisis, about the time of the uh, referendum and all that. Um, in Greece, you know, the, there was the, the bailout, that, that big bailout. But Greece is small. If you do this across the entire system, 
then uh, the Eurozone essentially has fragmented and will start to collapse. I think they'll contain it at Switzerland. I, I don't know. Something's telling me that yeah, they'll be they're able go, to they're buy gonna do everything. a little bit more yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna do everything they can to contain it in Switzerland. And we're going to see every step possible taken to plug whatever holes there are. And, you know, we've been hearing for some time there have been problems with Credit Suisse, but it may be that their problems are not just at Credit Suisse. That's the trouble. You see, the thing about the Swiss banking system, which I think a lot of people don't understand, and um, which I came to realise many years ago, is that, yes, you do have some fairly big Swiss banks, Credit Suisse um, being one. Most banks in Switzerland are pretty small institutions. And if there's a problem, you know, at, at, in a an institution, a problem in a bank that is institutionally important to the whole system, then I can easily see how it could transmit itself right across the entire banking system within Switzerland. And because that is so interconnected with the European system, it could easily run out of control. So it may not be an easy thing to stop this at source. But that's, I think, what they're going to try to do. And we're going to hear all kinds of comments over the next few days and weeks about how uh, there's no cause for concern, Switzerland is stable, the financial system there is stable, all is well, uh, they'll plug all the holes, they've got all the funds, they'll do all the, they'll do whatever it takes, you know, that famous expression. And maybe it will work. I mean, you know, sometimes it has done. Uh, but... Sometimes, with financial markets, precisely when they hear those things, what it does is that it makes them think, makes players in those markets think that the situation is even worse than the authorities are saying, and that makes them pull out. And that can happen too. Bank runs are extraordinary things. When they happen, as you correctly say, they happen incredibly fast and they run out of control. And today it happens within a second. The minute the bank decides to shut everything down, it's just one. Exactly. Exactly. Of the, of the keyboard and, and that's it. Everyone's And stuck. that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not like the old days when you had to queue up outside to take your money out in cash. Today it happens literally at the blinking of a night with, you know, electronic transfers and all that. Of course, if you stop them, if you try and slow them down, if you try and do all those sorts of things, then that can actually create, actually intensify the panic. So uh, Kremlin spokesman, final thought, Dmitry uh, Peskov, he said that uh, the sanctions against Russia, financial sanctions, were a blessing in disguise. It insulated <laughs> maybe... Russia from any of the banking contagion. Yeah. That, those were may... the words he used. Yeah, he did. A he blessing he in, may be... in disguise. Absolutely. And he may very well be right. And by the way, there's been a lot more news from the, about the Russian economy. We had a whole uh, slew of inflation statistics coming out. And the Prime Minister, Mishutsin, now says that the um, 
current rate of inflation is below 4%. So it's going all the way down. So, you know, uh, um, and the demand is rising and industrial production is rising and all of that. So, now, can I just say about Russia, I mean, they're a much stronger position than they were in 2008. In 2008, the Russian financial system hardly existed. It was basically a branch of the global financial system. And when there was the global financial crisis in 2008, what happened was all the banks withdrew their money from Russia to recapitalize in the West, and lots of depositors lost, uh, uh, were at huge threat, and the Russian central bank had to intervene to sort of prevent a collapse of the ruble and the entire financial system, and the country lost a huge proportion of its reserves, and as I very, very well remember, it came, the, the entire economy, this is in 2008, entire Russian economy came within visible dis, dif, distance of implosion. I mean, that actually did, did happen in 2008. Today, it's completely different. They've reorganized their financial system. They've got a much stronger financial system than they had then. They've got the sanctions, which, as Peskov says, has cut them off from direct links with the Western financial system, they've got capital controls. An important fact, which, you know, we shouldn't overlook, they've got a much more controlled currency than they did actually in those days. You can't, you couldn't do what, uh, uh, that now, what you did then, which is just go out and try and change all your money into dollars and take it out of the country. You can't do that today. So Peskov is probably right, probably right. But I'm going to say this. If we have a global financial crisis on the scale of 2008, then I can't believe that any big economy, or indeed any economy, is going to be completely unaffected. And that includes Russia's. And I mean, we're already seeing how over the last couple of days, um, oil prices are slipping again. And that's because people are now really worried about you know what's going going to happen going forward, so Peskov is right. They'll come through. It won't be the blow for them that it was in two thousand eight, but it will cause them difficulties. And um, I think that it's too complacent to say, well, because we're sanction proof, that means that we are global financial crisis proof as well. It, it, they, they'll be able to cope with it. They'll come through it. They'll probably come through it a lot better than people like, you know, the Western countries, some Western countries will. But as I said, it, it's not as if it won't have any effect on them at all. All right. Uh, TheDuran.Locals.com. We are on Rumble as well and Rockfin and go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.